cave. Only the soft rhythmic beeping from the monitor in the corner, the wheeze and gurgle from the ventilator, and an irregular soft clack from the IV regulator broke the near silence. Soft light illuminated a single bed and its occupant. With her shattered left leg elevated, her mouth obscured by the ventilator, a neck brace and her head swathed in bandages, Ruth Harris would be recognizable only by those who knew her well enough to recognize her eyes. But they were closed. Charlie Garland shuffled his feet and did his best to ignore the pervading odor of disinfectant. He disliked hospitals and everything they represented. Pain, fear, and death. He had but rarely visited one during a happy occasion. The birth of a child the recovery from a serious illness. As a bachelor with no immediate family, those moments did not often fall to him. But this night he was oblivious to the sounds in the room and those outside. His concerns were focused on his friends, the deathly pale woman in the bed and a perfectly healthy Ike Schwartz. Ike stood at the foot of the bed as if carved from gray New England granite, eyes red-rimmed, weary, and fixed on Ruth. Charlie shifted his gaze away from the green lines that snaked hypnotically across the monitor's screen and directed it toward Ike. He reached out and touched his raincoat sleeve, still damp after four hours indoors. Ike, you should get some rest. There's nothing more we can do here tonight. You need sleep. Ike did not move or speak. Charlie didn't really expect that he would. He could only imagine the pain Ike felt. Five years previously, Eloise, Ike's wife of a hundred days, had died in his arms, a victim of an errant assassin's bullet. It had taken him three years to begin to put that behind him. The woman who now lay deathly still in the bed had been in large part responsible for his recovery, for his re-entry into life, as it were. Charlie feared this could end as very bad deja vu. She can't die, Charlie, Ike said, his voice husky, uncertain. No, Ike, she can't. They spoke as if somehow they could, by sheer exercise of their will, assume control over the physiological events taking place in Ruth's broken body. Charlie realized that, indeed, if he could, he would. The ivy drip clacked, as if to disabuse him of this presumption. It's bad enough to lose one person you love to mindless violence, but two? Ike, he feared, may have had enough. And Ike said it. She can't die. God only knows what Ike must be thinking. Ike, uh, we should go. Again, Ike did not move. A tired-looking nurse, wearing rumpled purple scrubs and sporting a disordered, blonde-going-to-gray ponytail, slipped into the room. Gentlemen, I have to ask you to leave. I have to change some dressings and check the patient's catheter. She paused and peered at Ike. It's past 2 a.m. and time to shut this down for now. You can come back in the morning? Ike did not budge. We have your contact information, sir. I promise we will call you if there is any change in Miss Harris' condition. She spoke in a voice worn smooth from saying those words many, perhaps too many times. 
Now you really must leave. Ike? Charlie took him by the arm and turned him so that he faced away from the bed. Ike, we have to go. Let me buy you a cup of coffee and then we'll eat something. Rest up and be back first thing in the morning. She can't die, Charlie. No, Ike, she can't. And she won't. Come on. Nurse? Charlie squinted in the dim light to read the nurse's name tag. Nurse Annie Struthers will call you if there's any change. The nurse graced him with a ghost of a smile and nodded, then stepped to the bed. She reached for the draw drapes and proceeded to close them, blocking their view. That seemed to break the spell that had Ike frozen in place. He nodded and allowed Charlie to lead him out into the hall and to the elevators. Coffee and breakfast, Charlie said. Okay, but, um, first we go to the...